The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up using our promo code RTRS and brought to you by SeatGeek. Get $20 off your first order with code RTRS. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process, BodyBio. Get 20% off any and everything at bodybio.com with code RTRS20. And Kinetic Skateboarding, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, uh, got some Ben Simmons emails as Ben Simmons and Clutch's reign of terror over Philadelphia continues, leaving us really unable to do anything else other than to continually address it. I also have proposed, and we'll see how long we get through it, revealing on the pod and presenting to Mike each one of the 60-plus players I said the Sixers would have been better off with in the playoffs than, rather than Ben. Um, what else? Oh, and then we have, like, uh, Hall of Fame is today, uh, or, or today or tomorrow, Hall of Fame induction. So quickly go through the uh, those who inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. And PJ, who once proposed our field of 64 jigsaws, has given us two jigsaws uh, as it is the off season and uh, jigsaw is very prominent usually in the off season for us uh before we get going another reminder thanks to everyone who has joined our bark in the park run team october 23rd for the providence animal center we are up to sixty seven hundred dollars raised and our goal is fifteen thousand i think we have 30 members so far and our goal is 100 if you join the team and raise at least 75 bucks, you get the team shirt as well as the Providence Animal Center shirt. It's a great shirt designed by our friend Tanner and paid for by Big Barker and By Nature Pet Foods. So just go to the link in the description of this pod or to write streakysanchez.com to sign up. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who is knee deep in wedding planning already. Must be that is Mike Levin. Uh, no, take, taking it slow, basking in the glow of engagement. And yeah. I don't honestly think my I don't think I can make a decision about wedding planning until they figure out a Simmons trade. Just like two, uh, everything <laughs> is on hold until that that happens. The. Um... Uh, to go from uh, funny to very serious and then back to normal, uh, today, I, I feel like we have to mention it, is the 20, uh, 20 year anniversary of 9-11. Obviously, like a, something that everyone remembers and talks about, 
I would say for me, working in New York this year and being able to work with people who were in New York at the time, you know, where I, I knew people back then, but now I'm surrounded by it, uh, puts a another perspective on it. Uh, Craig Carton was telling me a story. Craig Carton, who does afternoons at FAN, was working at WNEW at the time. And when it first happened, they didn't know that like it was what it was. And I guess one of the things they had always talked about in New York was like the idea of a plane accidentally hitting one of the towers because of how high they were and how many planes crossed. So the producer mentioned it and like a couple of people called to WNEW who were in the towers um, who who had no idea what was going on and not even panicked, just uh, like sort of assured that everything was going to be all right and they're being told to stay put. And obviously, like that was probably one of the last phone calls those people ever made. Um, and hearing that story from somebody who was here during it was just like like crushing and, and brought, a, brought me back to that day in a lot of ways. So just needed to mention it. Obviously, everyone who has had family members, friends uh, affected by it, um, and even people who survived it who were affected by it um, wanted to me make mention of that, of course, a uh, just a, a moment, a moment that we will and that every one of us will remember where we were when it happened. But for me, just a different perspective being being here for it this year. Um, so to pivot to Simmons. So before we get to the list. We got a couple of, I thought, interesting trades from people and a question from trades that I hadn't heard before, I thought, that we might as well bring up. One from Jason. He asked if, he says, Jason says, is there any possibility of a trade with the Suns? Are they set on running it back? They wouldn't have any stars to give us, but they could give us several interesting players that could, and some of us could help now and some value going forward. He mentions Bridges and Payne and Crowder. What do you think of Cameron Payne's play over the last couple of years? Could he be an effective starting point guard for a team like the Sixers? I hadn't. I don't think the Suns would do it. It is an interesting thing to bring up, um, you know, for them whether they would pivot, you know, whether they think they're they're anything away or just another year away. And also with Chris Paul, maybe you know, as old as he is, I don't know. It, it was an interesting thought. I hadn't I hadn't considered it before. Yes, it is rare that there is a trade partner that I had not seriously considered because we've been doing this a long time. And so I feel yeah, like I have to consider them all. Um, but this one but, is new, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not one that I'd be excited about. I think um, Mikael Bridges is very good, and I think he uh, should have been a sixer. Um, but the... It's if it's bridges and like campaign is nice. I love campaign. I appreciate campaign. I love where campaigns come from and and battled through. Um, I don't know about but, like starting point guard on a high level uh, basketball team. Um, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but it's not a it's not a stellar package. And their picks are not. They're going to be in their twenties, uh, late twenties probably. So it's not it's not a hefty package, but. If you believe in Maxi, if you think Maxi is the guy, or you think Campaign's the guy, I I tend not to think that. But if you think Maxi's the guy, and you just go like, we just need more shooting and length, then Mikael is a is a safe bet. And then you could do something like flip Matisse or something for 
uh, more either on creation ball, like or, creation from yeah. the from the forward spot or something like that. I don't know. It's interesting. I don't the, Phoenix uh, for Phoenix. That's an interesting trade because I think first of all, Monty Williams, former assistant coach on the Sixers, has mm-hmm. worked with Ben Simmons. Uh, who knows the kind of relationship they have? Um, and it's a really interesting foursome to think about Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Ben, and DeAndre Ayton. Because Ayton can't stretch the floor. I hadn't considered not... the, just a, a pause, I had not considered the Ben Booker dynamic mm-hmm. off the court. Yeah. <laughs> the, potentially weird. Is, or, or potentially yeah. good. I don't, who knows? Who the, no one fucking knows. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, but I think that opens things up for Ben in the sense of like, well, Chris and, and DB can be the guys to do most of the handling, but also he can take pressure off them. Like having to do everything themselves, like they're like lifting everything because he can obviously, you know, initiate the offense from, from fast breaks and everything. Um, Aiton is a tougher thing. I guess you don't care about it from the sun's angle, but it's interesting for some to think about from them. Um, and for us, I would be like, would like a little bit more unless you think Maxi really, really is going to take a massive step forward. And then you can go like, well, let's just get bridges because he <laughs> shoots a lot and defends a lot. Well, campaign could start on a championship team and in, in the same way that like uh, Mario Chalmers could in, you know, if everything around him was right. But I agree with you in in theory on, you know, on being not sure if he's um, if he's capable of that. The thing with with Ben and, and trades like this, and I even think about trades like the the Warriors one is, is he willing to like completely change who he is uh, in terms like of an everyday on court thing and become Mr. Do Everything guy who isn't carrying, who isn't holding the ball like a lot, you know, who isn't bringing the ball up the court very much because he would clearly on a team like Phoenix be the uh, third option in terms of like running the offense through him and would be the maybe even the fourth option, you know, like behind Aiton, Paul, and Booker. And is he willing to go and do that and be that? I don't know. If he is, his like his future is much more interesting and much brighter. And it's the same thing in in Golden State. But if he is stuck on this, whatever this is, like the build the, the team around Ben thing, then then a trade like that doesn't doesn't work at all. You know? Yeah, I I don't know that he's like in the in the Hawk series he like didn't touch barely touch the ball in the fourth quarter so it's a sense of well, like but it's, we know why that's not not by it was because he was terrified not because he, I just don't he was I just don't think that like being the, something else I just don't think that he could have he's having the last couple years of his career and go like I can't don't play me around other guys who can dribble like I just don't see that that being mm-hmm. being the case at all so I think that um, with Chris especially later in his career I think. You play two of those guys at the same time, and Booker isn't always on ball, so he's you know you take the load off. I think Ben would still bring the ball up a decent amount, which this season he also played a little off ball, occasionally letting like Maxi or Shake uh, bring the ball up instead during the season. Um, I don't know. I think it's an interesting proposition. I think if Phoenix has, does like an honest look at themselves and goes like, we need a little bit more. Or we need to sort of bridge the gap from, you know, 
present to future because Chris is obviously on a clock. Um, putting Cam Johnson in the middle of that lineup and going Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Cam Johnson, Ben Simmons, DeAndre Ayton, that's a, that's a really good team. That'd be interesting to me. Um, but yeah. I don't know. They might just want to run it back, which I wouldn't begrudge them doing either. Yeah, I think uh, your point about like Simmons, like there's a, I, I just think there's a difference between him occasionally being off ball and him like like being the fourth option by design, not the f- fourth option because of desperation. And I, I also wonder like what he's even doing on offense in that point. But he, that there definitely has to be a, a plan around it as to what he's doing. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, so there are concerts again everywhere. Uh, now that I am in the New York uh, metro area and there's a lot, there's just like, there's more. It, uh, Broadway's coming back. Broadway is back. David Byrne, um, Talking Heads lead singer, has a, a thing called David Byrne's American Utopia. And I was looking to see how do I get tickets. And now that like tickets are a thing again, you only need SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the only app you need. So I can look right now for David the David Byrne show and I can see that for $59, I can get Balcony Center Row H, which they are saying is a score of 6.5, which is a good deal. I can scroll through and see that Balcony Left Row B for $79 is an amazing deal, an 8.8. What other ticket app does this? None. You only need one ticket app. The other ones you go to, if you go to other ticketing websites, it's confusing. What are the fees? Like, you know, who am I buying this from? Is it resell? Is it original? SeatGeek takes away all of that by taking all of the ticket resellers and putting them in one place and telling you whether the price is good or not. They care about you. They don't care about the seller. They care about you who is buying tickets. Is it a good score? Is it a good deal? Is it a great deal? Whatever. Color-coded and gives it a score, 1 to 10. Uh, that is why they have over 50,000 five-star reviews. Seat geek sports tickets concert tickets broadway comedy whatever you need SeatGeek is the only app you need or website you don't like apps you're you're an anti-app person go to the website seatgeek.com and we are connecting you with twenty dollars off for your first fucking rebel your first seat geek purchase use code rtrs uh in the app or the website for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That Again, that promo code is RTRS at SeatGeek.com or download the app RTRS for 20 bucks off. All right, another trade. This is from Howard. He says, another interesting trade is Hayward and Book Knight along with a pick for Simmons. Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Gordon Hayward is someone that... Uh, I've talked to Sixers Adam a lot about as a possibility because mm-hmm. the contracts are easy to match with. Um, he and fits. Hay- Hayward fits Creation, in there shooting. as like a yeah. sort of connector guy because he's a good passer from the from the forward spot um, and a reasonable shooter. Although after looking at his numbers, like not a volume three point shooter either. He has never um, shot more than five point one threes per game, and that was a couple years ago in Utah. Like. Last year's in 4.7, year before that 4.3, year before that 3.2. Um, so there is maybe some, having not watched him, it's different when you watch somebody as your own guy, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, I, don't, I don't consider him like a reluctant three-point shooter, but no, he seems to be a little bit in, the, uh, in that Tobias vein. So it would have to, one of those guys would have to be letting it fly a little bit more. 
Yeah, I mean, it's weird to obviously trade for another Celtic. That's not worked out in the past. Um, but A lot of injury things with him over the years, too, a lot of over the last he's, five years. Yeah, yeah, he's on the other side of 30. Um, it would be, if it's Hayward and Picks, then you go like, okay, we can flip the Picks and something for something else in the future. Um, I don't think that they're going to trade Book Knight uh, because they just drafted him and they're very excited about him. And Michael Jordan is like, he makes all of his like best, you know, first round picks like play him in, in like one on one. And so I think he he's, uh, sees something there. Um, it would not be an exciting one, and it's not something one we brought up in the in the trade. But um, it might be like fine enough because because of the connecting uh, ability of Hayward. I don't know about for Charlotte though, because. I mean, Lamelo Simmons is very interesting, but that's a lot of that's a lot of uh, non-shooting or not great shooting. Lamelo can shoot, but I don't know how much you want it there. It raises their well, ceiling they, for sure. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I don't I don't know about for Charlotte. I think it makes the Sixers a better team if you swap out Simmons for Hayward if he's on the court. Um, it gives you a lot of things. I, I obviously, obviously, all of these trades just to cap it, and we said this last time. All of these trades leave the Sixers still needing what they need. The question is, given the situation, does this put them in a better position and not drain assets outside of Simmons in a way that prevents you from making a trade like that? And I think it it does those it does those things. So yeah, I, it wouldn't be optimal Ben Simmons for fucking Gordon Hayward, but it also like you know. Wouldn't be the yeah. worst thing in the world, I guess. None yeah. of this is optimal because the Sixers, the no. Sixers are going to be a worse team next year. Almost certainly going to be a worse team next year, especially in the regular season. Um, the question is, has, will Maxi's improvement <laughs> and enough shooting around Joel and Joel playing at the level he was playing at, will mm-hmm. that be enough to take them past the second round of the playoffs? But they were the number one seed in the East last year, and odds are they're going to be closer to four or five no matter what trade that they make next year. Yep. And then final final question before we get to the list from Spiro. If Simmons doesn't play this season, does his salary still count against the salary cap? Spiro, that is a question that does not matter at all, as they are over the salary cap anyway. Even if you took Simmons' salary off of it, they would still be have a, a lot of salary, and they're not going to not pay him like so. He's going yeah, to play it, this year somewhere. It's just like, this is not a real thing. Is it? I don't blame you for the question, but it's just like, it's not a thing to consider on this one, I don't think. Right? Yeah, you, it's, you still, it's still caps against the cap unless they like go into like league arbitration to sort of... Yeah. That, and that would be a bad look for everyone involved. Maybe the Sixers and Nerlens can join in on suing. Like just a... a what's it, I, I always forget what it's called when everybody sues at once. Um, class action. Class action. Class action lawsuit, yeah. All right. So I wrote an article in December of 2020 that the Sixers had to trade Ben Simmons if they wanted to succeed in the playoffs, essentially. And I made an offhand reference to a list of... Uh, that I had made of 60-plus NBA players who I thought gave the Sixers a better chance in the playoffs if you just replaced Ben Simmons with um, with these players. I, I, I did actually make that list. At the time, I think I only shared it with Mike O'Connor and um, Sixers Adam. I think I want to just quickly... I will go through each of these players, and you just give me a yes or a no if they had replaced 
Ben Simmons with this player, would they have been better in the playoffs in 2021? The okay, first like I, 20. If I start or, to like, if I start to like melt into the ground and just sort of like yeah. fall off, and my limbs yeah. start just like disattaching, just keep going. Maybe we can bring bring CJ in at that point if you're if you physically start melting. Okay. Um, okay. The the, the first and considering that, let's just for argument's sake say that this person would be healthy, right? Okay. The first twenty are I think pretty easy, but LeBron. Just stop me if there's a no. That'll go faster that way. LeBron, Kawhi, AD, James Harden, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard, Giannis, Durant. Jokic, Luka Doncic, Jimmy Butler, Paul George, Chris Paul, Brad Beal, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Carl Anthony Towns, Kyrie Irving, Jamal Murray, Donovan Mitchell. That's 20. I mean, some of the centers would be weird, just as a weird But fit. still, weird when, fit, but I, they certainly have a better chance with Luka Don, with with Nikola Jokic than they do with Simmons this past year, right? I mean, like... When is this just for the playoffs? Is that what you're talking about? Yes, this was for the playoffs. I mean, yo, yeah, Jokic is, is very good, but I mean, like Towns Embiid, you get into the at least he would stand Horford in the corner situation, and then who's covering? Okay. You? I don't know. I don't, All right. Sure. All right, that's that's twenty. Um, starting with twenty-one, and just stop me when there's a no. Devin Booker, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Kyle Lowry. Trey Young, Pascal Siakam, Draymond maybe, Green. Maybe Siakam. Would be a no? Yeah, I mean, look, Ben had a bad playoff. So we're going to keep doing this, but like Ben had a bad playoffs, but like they were the number one seed in the East last year, because, largely in part because Ben was very good. And they, they had the number one or two ranked defense. Siakam's good, but he's not as good as Ben on defense. I think there's still a clunky he's, shooting fit. He's still not like a creator. He's the the, Sim, the Sixers without Simmons would be a, would be probably the worst passing team in the league. Um, Do you think he would have taken a shot in the fourth quarter? I'm familiar okay. with the I'm familiar with the argument, but uh, <laughs> okay, all right, just, okay. So, so your two questions so far are Cat and Siakam. Yeah, and probably Basically. Draymond, and probably Draymond too. Well, Draymond would just would have been a better version of Ben. I mean, at least he would have like bought in, right? I mean, he could have played center. He could have done your small ball five thing, which Ben couldn't do. So, um, okay. Uh, did we say McCollum? McCollum, Kemba Walker. I mean, Kemba's very, pretty, mostly washed. Okay. So Kemba. They're not. Are you saying that you would? Okay. I mean, well, no, I, I would rather them out there. What's that? They're not defending anybody. Well, but they have lots of other players to play defense, right? Like, so they have Danny Green, Matisse Thybul, Joel Embiid can all, like, are pretty good defenders. You have regularly said that, that Tobias Harris is a, an above-average defender. So I, I would take my chances. Um, right. I'm beginning but, to melt, yeah, just but, so you know. I fair. can feel the skin just sort of, like, sort of just, like, yeah. You're starting ac- to melt. acidically seeping okay. off of my, my person. Wait till we get to this one. Brandon Ingram. Uh, De'Aaron Fox. Uh, DeMar DeRozan. John Morant. Mm. Victor Oladipo. Oladipo. Blake Griffin. Oladipo and Blake Griffin I would, I would take issue with. Okay. Chris Stapps Porzingis. He fucking sucks. He would 
shoot threes, play defense. But like anybody would shoot threes. I mean, this is well, that is. The, but this is the point. This is the point. This but is it's the not. Point. But they still need perimeter creation, and Ben did a lot of that as like at least in transition and in uh, in getting guys open shots. Okay. Um, yeah, Danilo Gallinari. No. Danilo Gallinari. Uh, the most upsetting thing about that is that is that Ben should have just like done a better job of actually taking him to the basket, and he stopped doing that, and that was frustrating. Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Mike Conley, Gordon Hay- Hayward, Boyan Bogdanovich, Fred Van Vliet, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Karis LeVert, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, John Wall, Jaron Jackson Jr., Robert Covington, Marcus Smart, Zach Levine, Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, Ricky Rubio, Goran Dragic. I have issues with some of those, but I'll, I'll, stop, you at, I'll stop you at Rubio. Okay. Um, fair. Fair enough. Uh, is a reasonable defender and, uh, uh, you know, an actual point guard uh, and does shoot open threes, but fair. Uh, Joe Harris <coughs> did fall apart in the playoffs for sure, but Joe Harris, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, TJ Warren, Davis Bertans. I, I'll come on. Bertans. Okay. What are we doing? Okay. What's happening here? Harrison I, Barnes. My knees are gone. They're all they're onto the earth. Harrison Barnes, DeJounte Murray, Will Barton, Terry Rozier, Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball, Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell Pope, and Otto Porter. I mean Otto Porter is dead. He's not alive. Um, a lot of those guys I disagree with but there you go yeah I mean any uh, other we we keep we keep doing it but like well what else are we gonna do you don't have any ideas I don't know what else to do I just I don't know what else to I just like there's it's the most recency bias in the history of all time like if you take a guy who goes like you take a guy who goes like he like his, he got punched in the head like during a shot and he missed it and you're just like well we'll just replace him with a guy who like had not gotten punched in the head and maybe he would miss it it's like just like it's such a result like he was bad so that literally any one of these other people would, would have taken shots but it this just is not true like, no. but yeah, I think but, you're going to say but, you've been thinking of this for a while and I would say I think you were wrong before then I believe very strongly that you were wrong. He had a very bad series. You could say, someone could say Embiid sucks. He's awful. Like, he's terrible. And then in the future, Embiid has, like, the worst series of his life. And they're going to go, like, see, I always knew. And that's not the case. So I I disagree with the premise that that this is, like, proof that you were right about Ben. So much as, like, he had a very bad series. And now the situation is untenable. In every... Playoff series where they eliminate where they were eliminated. He was completely neutralized offensively. This is my my opinion. It completely neutralized offensively, and then in the Hawks series, it was a final cherry on top. It was always going that way. So you're, wait, was, so you're that, saying that, that every series my, they're eliminated? That's three series. 
Yes. Ever, right? So he was, the Hawks series, which, they, was, which was terrible. The Toronto series, which they should have won. I don't really consider him having like a horrendous Toronto series. When but he was, he was useless. He was useless. They, he, was useless. he was useless against the Celtics. They, they had to start... They had to start the TJ as a, as McConnell. A as a rookie. Yes, but they had to start TJ McConnell. Like, they was, had to start TJ McConnell because of him. First year. I mean, players his first year. There's, there's, that's like a forgivable offense that he would like, he had some issues it was scoring in, the, in his first situ, situation of playoff basketball. I don't, I think, the, I think as, a, as a Ben Simmons centrist, because I've been in conversations with people who feel the exact yeah. opposite way, and I, then I come, come at it from like a, well, he wasn't, he, he's not as much of a yeah. factor in the half court. Like, I, I feel like I'm in the center of every, every argument of this. Mm-hmm. There Which are, puts you on the other side of every argument. Because of how arguments work. Well, it's just what you said. Like, if you are, if you are talking to somebody who is a Ben Simmons, if I'm a Ben Simmons uh, negative, if I'm anti, you end up making the argument for because you're a centrist. Because so, well, you're on the I, other side I think I'm of making, me. I think I'm making the, just the, the slightly more grounded situational argument. The like, yes, he had a bad series, but there, here are reasons why it could have been better. And here, here are ways he affects the game in a positive way and everything. And I'm not like... I'm not saying they shouldn't trade him. I'm not saying that like it's it's we can still hold on to the relationship and everything, but like he had a very bad series, which happens to plenty mm-hmm. of guys, and I believe that his the future of his career will be largely positive if he can find the right situation to play in. And it's time to move on, but there's more than just one factor of like Ben has secretly sucked this whole time. Like it's just that's just not what I'm saying. That it's never what I said. That's never what I said. So I I don't always think that being in the like there's sometimes there's a perception that like no neither being, do I. That, but that, I think in this situation I know you're gonna okay. say being being in the middle of every argument is not the right answer. But correct in yeah. this situation I believe that it is in this particular Ben Simmons world. I don't think. I don't think I ever said that he sucks, and I, I have certainly, um, certainly been reasonable to what he is good at. But I do think that offensively, if he didn't improve, this was always going to happen. And I don't believe that this was just a bad series. I believe that this was like the the combination of everything that was going to happen. But you don't, so that's fine. That's like, and who knows what's going to happen, you know? Um, and just like that, just if he if he ends up in two years shooting corner threes and yada 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 also doesn't mean that he would have done it here right like so no, totally there's true. a lot of like yeah, I have, yeah, I have so. no idea what's going to make him into a decent or even willing shooter like it's not, I'm not like hiding yeah. a secret or anything I don't know like he yeah. might never do it so yeah. so that yeah. is a concern um, yeah. but I'm also just not going to accept that like the Sixers were the number one seed in the East with the guy who played probably the most minutes on the team or close um and finish second in defensive player of the year because he's like actually like you replace him with fucking Kristaps Porzingis and then they'd be better. Like I just don't I don't agree with well, that. There he, had are, really, he had a really yeah, bad series. I think we can agree it was not a totally fraudulent, but a somewhat fraudulent number one seed in that they were never championship like favorites, co favorites, or you know, like them and Utah this year were never never considered likely championship teams so uh they were number one seed and that counts for something but it was number one seed in a year where a lot of teams weren't really gunning for a number one seed so but it was number one seed nonetheless so. it was number one seed and uh, was it, an mvp candidate so i i think that mm-hmm. those those two things it's like they have as good of a shot of any in the playoffs hmm. so and an work. email let me tell you a story of a good man 
Maybe it was the pregnancy hormones running through her mind, but my wife had a moment of weakness. Enter the professional scammers, not the main villains of this story, but will consider them the enemies of the process nonetheless. And so it was that $5,000 was taken to us, from us, probably into a bank account on another continent. Unfortunately, yes, but at least we had our part had part of our homeowner's insurance to cover us for just these kinds of things. So the claim was submitted and we waited and after much too long, the letter came back and you could have guessed it, denied. I don't have much experience with these matters, so of course I sought the advice of Mr. Adam Kornblau. But Kornblau is not an advisor, he is a man of action. He called me right back and was eager to help, saying that denied insurance claims were right in his wheelhouse. The the denial focused on two contradictory statements in my policy, one saying I was covered, the other one saying I was not. The insurance company, of course, chose the denial statement and ignored the approval one. This is against the law, and insurance ambiguities should favor the customer. Adam immediately got to work calling and writing letters to the insurance company. Even to his surprise, the company did not budge from their stubborn position. Even after months of working on it, Adam was willing to sue the company on our behalf, so a complaint was filed in the Philadelphia court system. However, like every sixer season, the story doesn't end with a victory. Due to recent changes in the law, we were not allowed to use a Pennsylvania court, and instead we would have to use a Virginia court, so this case had to be dismissed, and the slimy insurance company would probably get away with it this time. I could keep fighting in Virginia, but I'd rather not without Adam on my side. I much appreciate his work and willingness to help out the Ricky cult that we're all a part of. As a small token of gratitude, I sent $150 to the Providence Animal Center and another $150 to a great charity near me, the Feel Better Farm in Scottsville, Virginia, in honor of him. Again, thank you, Adam. Adam Kornblau and Kornblau and Kornblau are the official law firm of the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast. They specialize in personal injury. Medical malpractice is the first. And what I can guarantee you is if you reach out to them like he did, you will get Adam or another Kornblau. Maybe his mom, maybe a third Kornblau, but you're not just going to be referred to somebody else like most personal injury law firms do. Kornblau is a legit dude and helps out everybody who reaches out to him. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam or email cornblau at cornblau and cornblau.com. Cornblau, spelled with a K. The rest, of course. It's up to you, and I do think now I should get an engagement ring from Cornblau. Cornblau. I think it's only I think that'd be a good idea. Uh, Let's do... We haven't done Jigsaw in a while. Thank you, PJ. Time for Jigsaw. So you may remember during the COVID shutdown, we did a field of 64 jigsaws. It was a great series of podcasts. PJ, our friend PJ, came up with the field of 64, took old um, old jigsaws we had done, ranked them, so on and so forth. He sent in two for you, Mike. I, they're both very good. I'd say PJ is better at jigsaws than I am. So here's the first one. For the rest of your life... Your butt gets really hot twice a day. A piercing burn, like bare ass on metal bleachers during a heat wave. It happens at random times and dissipates after five minutes or so. The pain is so much that you can't hide your discomfort. That's twice a day. The second option is, you awkwardly quote Austin Powers a lot, sometimes doing the voices. You say the quotations involuntarily in any type of interaction, whether you're talking to a stranger or a close friend. You do it enough that people finally notice and find you mildly annoying, but you're not so obnoxious that it's impossible to have human interaction. Which one? Um, Give me the hot butt. I think think it happens anyway. I feel like every once in a while I get like just a weird pang of like sharp pain for nothing in my 
not my ass specifically, but kind of anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think I can deal with that randomly twice a day rather than sort of, I guess, regularly, probably more than <laughs> twice awesome. a day. Seemingly like up close the way the question was phrased, probably closer to like 10 times a day, honestly, or like yeah. once, once or so a conversation. So that could be, that could be tough. I don't want to be known for that. I have a career. Um, so yeah, give me hot butt. It is funny to be the Austin Powers guy in 2021. Like the guy that still quotes Austin Powers is, is a kind of a funny bit. I know you normally go for the, uh, it'll be like a, like a, circus trick i'll be like that and i do appreciate you going for hot butt i i agree on that one i'll take the pain over being the austin powers guy this one is fucking we've had some tough ones in the past you know the sleep with your mom stuff and like really awful stuff this one's pretty rough option one for the rest of your life once or twice a week you shit out of your mouth mm. It occurs at random times, and there is no warning. You simply feel like it's coming out the wrong way when it's time. It's as disgusting as it sounds, and you never get used to it. How often? Twice, uh, once or twice a week. Okay. Option two. For the next 10 years, you are on the National Sex Offender Registry for an undisclosed reason. Bad. Everyone you know or meet is aware of this. While you did nothing to put yourself on the list, the assumption from others is that it's not an error. After shit 10 mouth. years... Shit re- mouth. Shit mouth. Yeah. 100% shit mouth. Easily shit mouth. It's fine. I'll carry a little, like, tissues with me, and I'll just do, like, an excuse me type of thing. It's fine. I'll get used to it. I'll get very good at locating a trash can anywhere I go so no one would see it. It would be... I would become a vigilante of throwing away shit in a, in a very secret fashion i would be a ninja i'd be so impressive uh not not number two shit mouth all day it's fine just to finish he says after 10 years a retraction is published and your record is expunged still oh yeah 100 percent. okay 10 years i'm gonna be 41 gonna be dead by then yeah no i'm not doing 10 years 10 years of 10 years of sex sex offender i'm doing a lifetime of shit mouth and honestly I'll, it could be, could be good. Could be fun. Who knows? You never tried it. You never tried shitting out your mouth. Maybe it's incredibly satisfying. Maybe it's a really good burp. I don't know. Maybe shit tastes awesome. Who knows? You never it know. Could, it might. It probably doesn't, but it might. There was a quote that uh, Chris Weber said that um, Allen Iverson, Chris Weber, who was being inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame this weekend, that Allen Iverson was the best athlete he ever played with and was disappointed that he was not able to do more with Iverson. Um, the list of Basketball Hall of Fame, fame uh, inductees Weber did, is... Before it, you do that, Weber, Weber did suck here. He was so bad. Oh, he was it terrible. Was, it was just well, it, like needless 18-footers like from the very beginning. I remember like the first... I feel like, at least in my mind, I was... I was still like, I don't remember what year it was. I was probably 14 or something. Um, at least in my mind, it was the first play was like Iverson drive and like a kick out to Weber for like an elbow jumper. And it was like, that's, that's as much lift as he gets on that thing. Not looking good. Wasn't good. Was bad. Well, it, it was part of this run where the Sixers, like, it seemed like there was always another player that they got that was way past their prime. Totally. You know, like it. It just felt like it. it was the Glenn Robinson mm-hmm. era too, and it 
it is a shame too because when you get a player like that because it's it's what you were saying earlier about the your player bias if you don't see them all the time you have this image in your head of who they are and then they get here and weber was just fucking it. for a player who was so amazing in his prime was yeah. trash when he got he here. just didn't have it. he just didn't have it anymore he's a very good player obviously when he was mm-hmm. a good player but but for a while it was bad and then that was just the last sort of gasp of uh finding guys to surround yeah. iverson with and it was like your your coup coach your Derek coleman your matt harpering just just a bleak glenn robinson it was a it was a bleak larry hughes before that jerry stackhouse before that like just it was never the second guy Never quite found the second guy. I mean, honestly, the most successful team they had is that they didn't have a second guy. It was just like Iverson yeah. and just a bunch of guys that were, were fine passing. Obviously, that's the worst finals team of all time, but uh, Ooh, they got that. Worse than the LeBron team? The Cavs LeBron team? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, hmm. Well, I guess because LeBron is better than Iverson, Yeah, maybe, but outside of... I think I might go with that Sixers team over that Cavs team outside of the main player. What, what, year, what year was that? Like 06 the LeBron? 07 or I think it was 07. 07 or 08. So because it was, was no, it wasn't no, 08. It was 07. There, there was no one on that Sixers team. <laughs> it was nobody. Eric Snow was bad. Uh, former guest Eric Snow. No offense, Eric. Uh, Aaron McKee so, was not doing like Aaron McKee was like the second option offensively. Like we, we got a. It, they, look, so, it's a beautiful miracle that they made it there, but they were they were not they were not good. The the Cavs team, just for uh, for historical perspective, Shannon Brown, Booby Gibson, Drew Gooden, Larry Hughes. Oh, I mean, go go, the, go go from the per game. Oh, Mo Williams is not on that team. I thought I was thinking Mo Williams. That's not a very no. good team. Eric Snow on both teams yeah. actually. Now that I'm realizing it. So um, yeah, the, but yeah, their Larry, second leading scorer. Larry Hughes, Drew, Good, Drew Gooden, and, and Zizunas Ogaskis and Anderson Varejo were yeah. not, not great, then, but I would, yeah. I would take that yeah. team, largely because of LeBron's, LeBron being better than Iverson, I would take that team over, yeah. over the Sixers team. So you mentioned Kukoc. He is going into the Basketball Hall of Fame as well. Paul Pierce, Rick Adelman, Ben Wallace, Chris Bosh. Bill Russell goes in a second time, this time as coach. Jay Wright. Um, do you so basketball is well known for just putting fucking everybody in the Hall of Fame, and even beyond the uh, because people say, well, they count college and they count overseas, and that's true. But Mitch Richmond is also in the Hall of Fame. So, do you favor the error on the side of more or error on the side of less? Let's say like baseball or football, because I've thought about this a lot, and I I can't. I, I bounce depending on the day. I bounce back and forth as to like what I prefer. So I tend not to really give a shit about the Hall of Fame outside of that. Bobby Abreu should be in it. Um, mm, that's wrong. But I do think that baseball is more entertaining in the sense of like there seems to be more of a of a you know upper echelon. Seek like mm-hmm. what a club kind of thing. I'm sure there's horrible politics that I'm not thinking about right now, but like it seems like at least, at least in a lot of a lot of other sports, maybe football, I don't even think about it, and 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 basketball, it's just like we'll just look at like here's who was an all star at like different years, and then they just all become right. it, rather than like 
more career longevity and, and contribution to the game. The thing I like about Basketball Hall of Fame is that it considers, obviously, the WNBA as well, but uh, the international game and the college game, and it's just like generally basketball at a at at a broad level um, rather than just the NBA. So I think that is that is a cool uh, impact of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that like some sometimes it's a little bit too much, a little too a little too. Uh, uh, college letting in everybody to uh, to then dilute the numbers. I don't even know if that's an opinion I have, but it feels it feels a little the same. Shout out to Ben from Kinetic who is there this weekend, and the the court that you can shoot on there, like at the end when you get to the end of the Basketball Hall of Fame, is named after Jerry Colangelo, and he sent you you and Alyssa a photo of that, and yeah. congratulations from. Jerry Colangelo. As a reminder, before your reaction, um, make sure you visit kineticskateboarding.com, not just for skateboarders, as I am proof of. Uh, they had, they just got all this new Nike SB gear in, like these great hoodies, all like awesome colors that you don't usually see that stuff in. Uh, they always get that stuff. So promo code Dave Silver for 9.1% off your first order. I so did, what is I your reaction that court, to? I knew the core was named after Jerry. Um, yeah. Guy loves naming shit after himself uh congrats just i don't think you should be allowed to i think if you name something after yourself you should only have this should be one thing you shouldn't just get to like slap your name on the side of like several buildings and like a classroom and like a a business school and all that shit i feel like you should get one. i love that the assumption the assumption here is that he named it after oh of course he did of course he did of course he did He 100% um, he, did. Like, it'd be, we should probably name the court after somebody. Who should it be? Maybe me or my son? I recused myself. Get out of here. Of course he did. The, the, the Basketball Hall of Fame, have you ever been? Um, no, I went to the Baseball Hall of Fame, not the Basketball Hall of Fame. Okay. So I've been to both. The Basketball Hall of Fame is fun. My wife took me, I remember, how many years ago at this point? Ten years ago, after I lost my job, the Labor Day weekend. We went um, and I saw it. It's fun, but it's sort of like going through a basketball mall in that it's pretty quick and then you're done. The Baseball Hall of Fame is way cooler. Um, And I I sort of like Baseball Hall of Fame. I like the baseball style better because I just like – I like the argument about stats with Hall of Fame, but I sort of like the, the sniff test Hall of Fame. Like, is that player a Hall of Famer? And I think baseball has it best where you can just sort of judge whether that player is a Hall of Famer or not. And then the, the edge players, like the Harold Baines, Bobby Abreu's of, of the world, are, are like a fun spice in that to argue about. But I, I, I like just sort of the, is that player a Hall of Famer or not? Like, what's your gut on it? And I think baseball gets it right the most. So I don't one. disagree with so. that largely. I will say, just mm-hmm. as a slight wrench in that, is that the idea of mm-hmm. a sniff test and the idea of like, does it, do they feel like an all thing when they're playing puts a lot of pressure on the national media to cover all players and all teams and all cities equally. And I don't think that they do. And I think that that lends itself to more Yankees, Dodgers type of thing, Red Sox, those, those type of like glamour franchises to have more guys because you've heard of them more because they're made more famous by the way that the media covers them. Well, it is the Hall of Fame and not the Hall of Great. 
And when, when people say it's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Very Good, those are two different things. Uh, it's not the Hall of Great either. It's the Hall of Fame. So I, I agree. So like yes, celebrity players, generally? Well, no, I think like there's like, and I agree with you that major market teams end up with, but then again, like one of the biggest arguments was about like Jack Morris and he wasn't like a, like a, a glamour um, city thing. And I do think baseball in the eighties, though the glamour cities did get probably more attention. There are, there are great players on small market teams like the twins or the A's, you know, that like that, that ended up huge stars. Um, so I, I don't know if, if that is entirely true, but I think like part of the Hall of Fame thing is what was their cultural imprint. And players do, from bigger markets do are, are more likely to get a bigger cultural imprint, I guess. But that might be less so now in 2021 that it was 20 years ago or, tw- or 30 years ago. And I... I I think maybe they're the exception rather than the rule, but I think you can go through like smaller market, smarter media market teams from the 80s, 90s with baseball and say, well, that that player was enormous and they weren't in a big market. So I don't know. I don't know if that's true. I think just generally going by relying on the smell test, the smells (laughs) will waft more strongly from a larger market team because of how how it's covered and everything yeah not not saying like and maybe maybe even maybe even more critical too i don't know body bio we got a great email uh from steve about body bio um whose doctor like was having like kidney issues his doctor said the only thing you got to do you don't have to take medicine none of that he was like you're you have a real problem with hydration he went to elite from body bio and he's doing much better that like Hydration is a pretty simple thing if your doctor tells you what to do. You need electrolytes and you need water. And that is what Elite provides. Um, Body Bio is a supplement company from the area, family owned, family operated. We've talked about Elite, talked about Calm, and the most recent one is liposomal vitamin C, which again, another sort of simple thing is your immune system. And vitamin C is great for your immune system, vitamin C, vitamin D. And there's all these vitamin C supplements. Um, and they're all the problem with them is that they are water soluble, just like vitamin C you get from food is water soluble. That's a problem because it gets into your body and then you pee it out. So you, you take in this vitamin C and your body doesn't hold on to all of it. And body bio is like, well, how do we fix this? And they're like, well, your cells are made of lipids. Let's create a vitamin C that doesn't release until it gets to your cells. And that is what liposomal vitamin C does. So you're, you're taking in, don't just look at the milligrams of vitamin C. Understand that your body is holding on to more of it. RTRS20 at bodybio.com. RTRS20 at bodybio.com will get you 20% off everything. That includes Elite, Calm, liposomal vitamin C, everything. We thank BodyBio uh, for being a sponsor of Rights to Ricky Sanchez. And, uh, and that's it. Thanks to BodyBio. So I uh, want to wrap up with some of the, the, the non-sports stuff we never got to from our non-sports Ricky. as sort of a, a palette. A ben, a, oh, go ahead. I've, I have to continue because... I will say, if anyone wants to name a building or something after me, or a classroom Ah. or whatever, then it will then then that'll be it. Then there will be no other one. Uh I can only accept one. So I'll take if you want to do it. I'll take I'll take uh, submissions. Um, By the way, Ricky Sanchez can't name anything after himself anymore because he has this podcast. Sometimes you don't get to choose. Mm. Um, I think it might. 
I think you get one. I think you get one. So, just offering that up. Is there a is there a building or a location that if you could choose to be named after you that you would pick, like off the top of your head, if you had one one choice? Um, like a public toilet. Like mm, a very like just a random access. one or. A th- like a like a like a series of toilets of like hey if you need to shit we got you no f- it's it's mm. well maintained run by the city so you're looking for utility over over fame no that was just I the guess. first thing I thought of it was the first thing I thought of. I was like what would I like oh. to lend my name to and it'd be like people scrambling around looking for a place to go to the bathroom that sounds like a, a good honor um, and being named after a toilet would also be pretty funny having a toilet named after me so. Especially if you're known as the guy who occasionally has it come out my mouth, shits yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. That would that would pair nicely with it. This is a good question for you, as you are still in the fantasy league that I used to be in, and that uh, legs is controversial in. This came from Free Toby on Reddit. I'm in a keeper fantasy football league. Have you ever tried to tank in fantasy? I have. It's not been well received. They think I'm trolling, but what I really want are those future picks and a chance to dominate again. Am I in the wrong? They're trying to kick me out of the league. What do you think of tanking in, in legacy fantasy? Keep uh, I think positive, positively about it. I did it last year in that, in that very league. Um, me and uh, Miles were number one and two going into the playoffs right when uh, COVID shutdown happened. And so I had mm-hmm. already like sort of pushed my chips into the middle during at that time. And then you don't just get to like undo all those trades. You're already, like, the trades have been made. You trade cap space. You traded future picks, all that stuff. And so I was left with kind of nothing. Um, mm-hmm. And as a uh, regrettable thank you, I think John allowed me and Miles to pay like half off for the next year because we were, it was clearly going to be one of us that would win. And so we get, we had, we had a, uh, a discount, um, but then the following season, both of us tanked very hard um, because we had no other option. And so I think in, in, in like hardcore, uh, like dynasty type of things, then I think, I think you got to do it and you got to accept it. You got to either or make it so like the last place team has to pay more or something, something, you know, to prevent that. Don't you, don't you think, though, that in fantasy you can always just keep kicking the can down the road like you never really need to tank? Like you can always just keep, like, wow, Howard future assets. Like who cares? Howard yes. Eskin over here just kicking the can down the road. You want someone to land the plane. Your, fan, your fantasy well, fan no, base I, is furious. They I, paid good money to, I, watch, to watch you collect these guys, and you're, and you're insulting them. No, someone think of no, the no, fans. no. I mean— I mean, you can always be win now in fantasy is my is my point is that like the the difference between the number one pick and the number seven pick is very like little, I think, in fantasy, especially keeper fantasy in that you can you make so many moves in fantasy during the year, as legs can attest to that. I think you can almost mitigate any loss of picks with that so i would i would i would always be win now in fantasy that's how i would play it win now win now win now it's difficult to do that in in a league when you go like hey i just traded pj washington and my first overall pick and like my first round pick next year for like Kawhi or Giannis, and then then Mm -hmm. then you're like still you still got your regular team if you don't start pushing your chips in then 
someone you're going to go up against a stacked team with like Jokic and Booker and Towns and all these guys that are very good at fantasy, and then you're just going to be like, well, I really hope that like friggin' uh, George Niang has a nice week um, because you're not, you're not you're not sacrificing your 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 assets to to really to really go all hmm. in. So it, d- it depends from league to league. And in our league, in the execs league, in the John Gonzalez run execs league, um, where he runs it like a tyrant, um, it would require you to do that or you'll, you just wouldn't win a championship. Bunch of selfish babies in that league that, um, that legs won the championship one year and did not receive one vote for executive of the year. It is a mutual admiration society of like six people um i i i hate everybody in that league from a a fantasy standpoint um is is uh, zach uh still in that league um yeah uh yeah yeah fuck him he didn't vote for legs um fuck guns fuck everybody in that league that didn't vote for legs he won the championship and did not receive one vote for executive of the year. And it's because they're all jealous um, and they couldn't handle it. And I hate everybody in that league. Bodner? I, I, what's that? Bodner? Bodner didn't vote for him. Bodner, fuck Bodner. Bodner didn't vote for him. Should have mm-hmm. voted for legs. How, do you, how, does, how does the guy who won? The, there's, no, there's only executives in fantasy. Like There's no MVP or anything. The, the players are the players. How can the, the championship winner not get an exec of the year vote? It's just, it's disgraceful. It continues to be disgraceful. I'll never get over it. Legs should have won executive of the year. Should have at least gotten a vote. Everyone that league should be ashamed of themselves. Um, this comes from STSLO2 on Reddit. What would your advice be for anyone starting a new job with a new company, i.e. best ways to make a good impression, share your work ethic, et cetera, et cetera? What do you think? Oh, I have no idea. New person at new company. I don't know how to, I don't know what a company does. What am I? How do I? How how can I contribute to company? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an answer. Be quick to respond to emails. Who knows? Oh, Jesus. Um, I would say uh, smile when you meet people. Remember their name and always be honest with everybody. Everybody's worried about messing up. I, I think uh, admitting. Like saying that you did something wrong, like at work and say, ah, oh, sorry, I screwed this up is like the great equalizer. And everybody just tries to cover up when they fuck up. Just admit it and move on and fix it. So that would be my, you know, and remember people's names. That is such a huge thing. And don't walk by people in the office that you've never met before and not like say hello and introduce yourself. Don't wait for them to introduce themselves to you. Just walk up to everybody. Say hi. But then I'm also here. don't say like, say someone's name every time you interact with them. Well, Jonathan, Jonathan, here's, yes. here's what I think, Jonathan. Yeah, yeah I would the, agree. Then you're the weird guy. I certainly agree. And final two questions. What, this comes from Matthias. What is a movie from, you like from a genre you hate? For example, I hate musicals, but La La Land is really good. Um, I like musicals. Do you have an opinion on that? Um, mm-hmm. But a movie you like from a genre you hate. I'm, I, don't, I don't really like, hate genres generally about anything. Mm. I don't like horror movies just because I don't like being scared. Uh, so I would say if anything, it would be like a horror movie that like isn't really a horror movie kind of thing, like Cabin in the Woods or like something. Like Scream. No, I don't yeah. like Scream. I, I'll never watch Scream. But like 
but like that sort of movie. Like that is a, is a, not a horror movie, but a horror movie. I, I, I went with Cabin in the Woods. Okay. Well, what don't you like about Scream out of curiosity? I saw it when I was like six or seven and didn't, didn't understand the satirical element. I was just scared. Oh, uh, okay. Got it. Uh, I would say, would you say that cartoon movies are a genre? Animated well, movies? Yeah. Sure. Then I would say Up. I don't like animated movies, but I love Up. So, and then finally from uh, we fail from S M Y L E S R on Twitter. Does The Rock know Mike's name? This is a great question. I think we all need um, to know. If you to. asked him, like if you pointed at me and said, "What's that guy's name?" Certainly not. Um, but mm-hmm. we've been on Zoom calls together, and he's seen me read parts at a Zoom table read. So. There is some recognition, and he's read scripts that have had my aware name Aware of your it. existence. Vaguely aware yeah. of my existence, um, but certainly would not know my name now. So before we go, a, um, dur- while we were recording the Ricky on Wednesday, a coworker of mine in Philadelphia at WIP passed away, a guy that I worked with for 10 years, uh, Big Daddy Graham. A, a legend in Philadelphia media uh, for a lot of different reasons. He was the overnight host at, uh, at, w- at WIP for a long time, for like two decades. Uh, his daughter, Ava, I uh, work with at WIP, who works for The Morning Show, a, a delightful person Ava is. Big Daddy Graham is one of, I was talking about him this week. He's so hard to explain to people outside of Philadelphia that is what was amazing about him. Like, was an overnight guy at a sports station who, when he started, had just knew nothing about sports. Was did love basketball and was pretty good on basketball. But a funny guy, a really funny dude, a, one of the quirkiest guys you'd ever meet. You sort of have to be to be an overnight guy. Um, and was accepting and and great with me as soon as I started at WIP. Um, when I would do the 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. shift, he would always come in early, so we would talk about music on the air. He loved talking about music too. Uh, he was a, a great dude and truly Philadelphia. And a few years ago, he got really sick, ended up uh, paralyzed from the waist down, and, and his life was very tough, especially for a guy who did stand-up comedy and uh, was out at doing Quizzo every night at these sorts of things, so to be you know, unable to get around the same way, but was a uh, remarkably talented guy and a great guy, and we will all miss him very much. And uh, I'm glad that he is not in pain anymore, but, um, but we'll miss him very much. So rest in peace, Big Daddy Graham. Uh, a Philadelphia institution for sure. There's that. That's it. Hopefully by the next pod, uh, we'll have something new to talk about and maybe the trade will happen. Please, Daryl, please. Please, Daryl, please. Please. Anything. Like we're bordering on Okafor levels of please make it happen at this point. So. Well, I just I need it to be over so we can stop talking about it. Yeah. So. Um, that's all we got. You done with TTP? Yeah. You. No. Lick face. If you don't fuck with me, then I, then I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you. Thanks for playing.